When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and worlds inside of our favorite video games. I'm Caleb. And I'm Bruce. And we're talking about one of the biggest lore dumps for Overwatch of the year, the Archives. Uprising and Retribution. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the lore. Alright, so... The Archives events are a once a year event that establish Overwatch's storytelling as firmly non-linear. They go back in time and tell a story from the history that isn't set in present day of Overwatch lore, something previously that happened in the world and established the world as it is today. That's right. I believe in our first episode we were saying that Overwatch doesn't really have a campaign mode, but honestly, this is sort of their campaign mode. It only comes by once a year, like Christmas, and it only lasts about a month, but it's basically their campaign. And this year, they've kind of expanded on it to a few new heroes' perspectives of the world before Overwatch disbanded. Last year, we were treated to the Uprising event, which is one of the biggest lore dumps that we've had at all. And it showed us the history of a lot of the individual characters. It showed us Tracer's first mission in the King's Row Uprising, where a strike team of Overwatch fought a extremist group called Null Sector. Yeah, sort of like Robot ISIS. And uh, gave us kind of a... A window into what the world was like before Overwatch disbanded, but more of like establishing what Overwatch fought for and how it operated. We see some of the uh, very storied and veteran uh, members of Overwatch definitely in the field, uh, like Reinhardt, Torbjorn, Mercy, just, you know, doing their own thing. And then we're seeing uh, a very green tracer just getting out there for the first time, being able to operate and see what she has become. And it's, it's really cute. It's really nice. But this year they've gone to the other route to Blackwatch, which is the underbelly of the Overwatch organization. And we've gone even further back to the history of Overwatch, even a year before the King's Row Uprising to Retribution, which is a Blackwatch mission that later became known as the Venice Incident that revealed Blackwatch's existence to the world. Yes, so in it you play as either, let's see, Gabriel Reyes, also known as Reaper, Moira, Genji, and uh, McCree. So with these four people, they just go on a strike team, try to get the leader of Talon, though he is just a very uh, terrible arms dealer, was responsible for blowing up one of the uh, important headquarters for Overwatch. They could not exactly bring him in easily because he had very strong connections and uh, Reyes at the beginning of the mission just shoots him out a window. And it's just, uh, it just goes completely to hell in a handbasket after that. And they have to basically fight their way out of, you know, pits deep in uh, talent agents. The motivations for doing this is obviously because we see Gerard uh, Lacroix horribly uh, maimed from the explosion, from Talon. And Talon's just really been this thorn in the side of Overwatch. That was in part 
part of its decline and just going in ways that really kind of stopped Overwatch from operating the way it always wanted to. And it's just kind of really interesting to think about that. Talon was probably the last nail in the coffin. It was what kind of drove a lot of different things. Uh, you see some people who were on the very cusp of leaving Overwatch to begin with, like Moira and Reyes, then becoming part of Talon, you know, in the modern timeline. And then you also see that they had also gotten Emily Lacroix, who is uh, Gerard's wife, who is what we now know as Widowmaker, who killed Gerard, who I think that was the last thing that really kind of put overwatch in the dirt was that they killed one of the guys who kind of kept it all together so retribution kind of shows what black watch is capable of and reyes is what would you say i think it shows what appears to be the beginning of reyes's transformation into reaper and what is presumably that we still don't know the full story of what made reyes both physically and emotionally what he is today and we don't even know what the transition is that ultimately makes him not only work for Talon, but also be one of its leaders. He's a very good reflection of Overwatch because he's definitely there, you know, side by side with Jack Morrison. And then, you know, as Blackwatch comes into view, he's leading that. And then it kind of shows that Overwatch is somewhat losing its conscience and then becomes completely destroyed by itself from within by Reyes attacking Morrison and them both being presumed dead. I mean, it's a very tragic character and it's a very tragic organization that was at the peak. Like it was the savior of humanity. And then we see retribution kind of show where that kind of crack in this beautiful facade of peace would be with Overwatch. Uh, I think Overwatch was built as not really a thing that was supposed to last in peacetime and bureaucracy. It's not supposed to be this whole thing for red tape and forms. They were made as a last line of defense for humanity against an unstoppable force of the Omnic crisis. Uh, seeing them now just sort of where they are, it's always a problem having to operate within the laws of other nations. And we see that with them trying to do something in Venice. And it kind of sucks that they can't be able to do that. But at the same time, that's how you keep the peace. And they just can't really operate like that. And ultimately, and we also see in the comic, that Jack agrees with that in some context. That's what's really interesting about both of these comics is they show a lot about how, as an organization that was founded during a war, as a peacekeeping organization, how it really struggled to find purpose and struggled in its own existence during more peaceful times when the world wasn't at a war and its powers and its need were more limited. And I think you see that even more closely in the transition from Uprising to Retribution. While Uprising showed a very broad picture of Overwatch, it showed not just the four playable characters of the campaign mode, which were Tracer, Reinhardt, Mercy, and Torbjorn. It also showed Jack, Anna, Gabe, Winston. It showed several of the characters in how they were and who they were during that period of time and gave us insight into how far they've come. Retribution does in a lot of ways the opposite. Instead of being a broad view of Overwatch, 
it's a very specific view and a deep dive into the mindsets and relationships of specifically Blackwatch, of Reyes, who eventually become Reaper, of McCree, of Moira, of Genji. Yeah, we definitely start to see just how they kind of interact with each other. I think this is definitely, definitely more understanding of how these people felt in their own way and, you know, their own place in Blackwatch and in the world. One thing I was wondering about was this also took place in Venice, just like that, you know, secret meeting in that one comic with Doomfist's return. Mm-hmm. Venice has some sort of geographical significance here, more than just, you know, a base. There's something more. That's possible. That This is us putting on our theory caps right now. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what we're calling it? <laughs> this is this is definitely... All right, yes. This is definitely where we're going to talk about just a little little bit of theories of uh, what we think is going on with Overwatch. Little bit of theory crafting. The, like, Venice definitely has some significance. We know that Retribution is kind of a prelude to a new map, that the Retribution map is going to eventually be released as a payload map. Good, it looks good. What its ultimate story is going to be and what other story hints we're going to see on it is yet to be seen. There's something important about it, though. Yeah. It's just like they meet there mm-hmm. almost annually w- with the masquerade. That was also mm-hmm. mentioned in Retribution with Moira. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know. It, it just seems seems strange that they would use the same location in the comic as here, but in completely mm-hmm. different times. Yeah, who knows how long Talon's been meeting there. Like, it's obviously a pretty key location for Talon to whatever purpose it meets. But um, you mentioning the masquerade and that Moira mentioned the masquerade actually brings me to my theory crafting thing as I pull my theory cap even further over my face. Oh no, no, you can't see anymore. (laughs) I think that Moira may have already been working for Talon during the events of this campaign because the Talon leader that they go to confront already knows they're coming and the only people who knew about the mission were the members of Blackwatch. And then the comic, it definitely alludes to having Talon's eyes and ears everywhere. So it could definitely be within the realm of possibility, but I don't want to believe it. I don't want to believe it because I do like Moira and I feel like her induction into Talon was more of something of a necessity of her research. And that still could Mm -hmm. be that, you know, she betrayed Mm -hmm. Blackwatch. But uh, you're probably right. I have the the other you're probably point of, right. The other point of evidence that I have um, theorizing this is that in the comics, um, there's an exchange between Reaper and McCree, where McCree insists as he's loading his gun, "I've got my gift for him right here," insisting that he wants to be the one to kill the Talon leader, while uh, Reaper is saying, "No, nah, we're doing this by the book." And then things completely switch when they're actually on the event. My theory is that they've switched minds. It's not actually <laughs> that they've switched minds. I don't actually oh, think that. Boy. My theory is that Reaper realizing that Antonio saw them coming, that there has to be a spy in Blackwatch. One of the three people behind him is betraying him. He doesn't know which, and he needs to get out of there as fast as possible, and that keeping Antonio alive is now the least of his worries. Interesting. And so hmm. my theory is that Moira's already started working for Blackwatch at this point. You even notice she doesn't respond nearly as aggressively to the um, sudden alert, to the talent agents, to Antonio's death. Yeah, but that's also just Moira. Like I don't like, think she's ever flinched in her life. 
<laughs> That's also true. I mean, she flinches when I attach pulse bombs to her. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. I on at least on my theory, uh, on my theory cap. For some reason, and this is just me in general, I just kind of take things at face value, and I just think that while he was talking with McCree, that Reyes was just like, you know what? Everyone's right. Everyone's telling me, like, there's nothing that is good to come from me taking this guy in alive. Fuck it. Just kill him. Screw yeah. it all. Destroy him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're done. Um, and I, like, and that fits more with Reyes's demeanor where he's just like shrug <laughs> his signature shrug he's just like eh, eh whatever theory caps off but uh those are what we think you know that could mean but you know only time will tell so what we also want to talk about is just retribution's just thought thoughts on talon you mm-hmm. know what one thing i do want to know and i don't know if this is theory mm-hmm. for you what happened to all of talon's henchmen we don't see them anymore um, a bunch of them invaded and attacked Winston in Alive. Or oh, no, that's not, right. No, not in Alive, in Recall. Yeah. I was so, like, oh, God, so Talon, I totally forgot about yeah, that. Ta- Talon still has henchmen. But they don't use, like, they yeah. only use them for that, and, yeah. you know, good help and, that was. But, and, like, they didn't even use them in Volskaya Industries. They didn't, well, I mean, I guess that's more of an infiltration thing. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll We'll get to see how much of the resources Talon had eight years ago it still has what do you what do you think the what do you think the benefits are for working for talon i mean like you got they got dental what do, do they pay you in i think they pay you in opportunity to murder your superiors evil exposure <laughs> evil exposure <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no desire to work for talon simply because of how many other talon members have been killed by other yeah. talon members it also reveals that antonio's death also low-key led to the rise of many of our just kind of new players that we see in the modern timeline mm-hmm. including the third doomfist yes my boy and oh so. he looks so good in his skin <laughs> oh it's great i love him with the hair it just it looks really good but definitely like the death of antonio has led to just this turning of wheels for pretty much everything that we see maximilian mm-hmm. the new doomfist and possibly even moira mm-hmm. uh and what you theorize and uh, that's definitely something to, like, really think on. And was Reyes an architect of this, or was he merely a pawn until the unthinkable happened and he became Reaper? The more they build into this, the more I want to know how these dots connect. I want to find out It's where... definitely... It feels like everything is all connected to Reyes. He seems to be at the... At the center of all of this. At the center of all of it. Even more than Jack. That's mm-hmm. something to definitely think about. I mean, so. th- sorry, this is going to be a lot of theorizing because, like, this is just mm-hmm. so much lore. Yeah, they, like, they usually do not give us this much, but it's just overflowing, and it makes us just think of so many things, and I'm sure you guys are right there with us trying to figure out, what does all this mean? And uh, for every 10 answers we get, we get another 30 questions. Exactly. And so, to briefly talk about Uprising, a lot of the events into this do lean into more of what we saw in Uprising. We've seen a new side of Jack. Uprising wasn't Jack's first time approving a potentially controversial mission. Yes. We now know a little bit more about how Black Watch gathering information on the ground, what the actual significance of that was, how the world had already seen Overwatch at that point, and how much more of a boundary cross yes. the King's Row Uprising and Overwatch's intervention. If Uprising was their first time doing that, the world would be 
definitely more forgiving, but mm -hmm. retribution was this catalyst. This was the beginning of the end for Overwatch, and it really put a lot of distrust in this organization that saved humanity and now was a problematic ally in, you know, a force for progress. And it just establishes this um, larger overarching background narrative of the fall of Overwatch that is building back up to what we see in Recall is eventually going to be its potential return. And what would that actually mean, given how far Overwatch fell from grace and what we've seen of it, how is the world going to react now that they're becoming active again? Right. Could you even imagine something like Overwatch where it literally saved humanity from the brink of being destroyed by the Omnics in the Omnic crisis, being able to be this international organization that actually does amazing things and is not swayed by, you know, the influence of other organizations in other uh, countries. It is a beautiful organization without any borders. How could it fall so far? And now we're starting to see the bits and pieces of that and how that contextually shows itself in these very important missions where we see exactly the pivotal points and where it begins to fall. And it really kind of puts everything to perspective. Like now it's very believable how Overwatch fell. And let's see, for the question of how the world will react, I think it won't be as unforgiving as it was before because as we talked earlier in this episode, Overwatch was created as a need. It was created as a necessary need because of expedience, because of urgency. And that is needed now. The talent is now stronger than it ever was before. Overwatch needs to come back, not just to challenge it, but to be able to come out and be able to fight the fights that literally no one has been able to fill the void of. The world has been going just completely in the other direction, and it's all because of talent and what they're doing. And from what we see as the catalyst for Winston doing the recall is because Reaper and Talon are trying to put Overwatch out for good. It's not just self-defense, but it's also a call to arms to be able to take the world back. It really does show this, this slowly boiling pot coming to, and eventually, hopefully, we'll see where exactly all of this boiling has come to and what it's going to turn into, and I, for one, am excited as hell. Well, I'm scared now. Does that mean it's, there's an ending? Less necessarily that I think there's an ending, more that I think there would be a continuation. I think that, I mean, as soon as Tatlin falls, we're going to find out whatever organization was behind Talon. We're going to find out probably more about this conspiracy eventually. The Eye. The Eye. Like, I don't think that the world is going to be entirely peaceful as soon as Talon's down. We're going to have other people that need fighting. There's still going to be a need for Overwatch. I don't, I don't want Talon to die, is the only thing. I mean, for, for the good part, yeah, yeah that's cool. But I like Talon. I like what it does in terms of being a foil for Overwatch. That That is a story for another day. Like, a world without Talon is a world without Overwatch. They are of each other. That's an interesting perspective I hadn't thought of, actually. Exactly. A world without Talon is a world without Overwatch. Overwatch is in this kind of constant cycle of... Uh, just of a paradox. It is working to destroy itself. The more peace that it makes, the more it makes a world that doesn't need it. 
And after that, what do you do? When you're so used to being able to fight in a war when it's just nothing, how good are you idle? How much of a, a benefit are you to the rest of the world in a world that definitely has gotten past you? It's progressed past what you provide. And I think that's a world that Overwatch faced. And I think you're right. Like, that does lead to this duality. So on the one hand, a world without talent is a world without Overwatch. Do you necessarily think that that would apply in the reverse? Do you think that talent requires an organization like Overwatch to exist? Doomfist wants the world in conflict. For conflict to happen, someone needs to be fighting him. So what you're saying is if they've made their worldwide conflict and then they are able to defeat anyone who opposes them... What do they have left? Talon in this context being led by Doomfist, as he said, we have a war to start. Exactly. And you need another side to fight in a and, war. And so that's the thing. I He's, see what you're saying. So now Talon needs an opponent and Overwatch needs a war. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in some ways, uh, Talon just is able to be able to give Overwatch exactly what it wants. In some ways, Reaper accidentally reinstated Overwatch by trying to destroy it. It's definitely a push and pull and uh, definitely a duality that we've seen time and time again. And I don't think it's necessarily good against evil. This is against differing ideologies. This is against different parts. Definitely, I mean, Talon's evil. Talon's a terrible, evil organization. But I think it's definitely not cut and dry like that. We've seen it, and Retribution shows us Overwatch is not perfect. It is not this infallible organization that will always be right. It is a force, but it uses its force for peace. And peace is good, but sometimes it is not. And we're beginning to see what they're going to do with that second chance. Mm -hmm. Will they be able to be the same kind of force? Or is this an Overwatch that we and their world has never seen before? One thing that I just thought of that's actually really interesting... Uprising and Retribution both have somewhat ironic names. Both of them would, if anything, depict the opposite of what their title is. Uprising is, you know, obviously referring to the quote-unquote King's Row Uprising, but it's a key part of Overwatch's downfall. True. Um, retribution. Compare this to Retribution, which was intended to be... Retribution for Antonio's attack. A mission of revenge ends up being the thing that puts Overwatch in even deeper water and even more trouble... Oh, I, one thing I did want to talk about is the relationship between Reyes and McCree. It seemed that they were actually very close up until Retribution. Mm -hmm. yeah. They weren't exactly the best of buds, but we see in the comic, they laugh and joke as they're walking out of the building. Reyes recruited McCree into Overwatch. Exactly. Out but of like, the deadlock gang. Exactly. No, I know that. Like, And they have a very good relationship. But as soon as Retribution happened and he killed Antonio, McCree went off. He would not stop talking about how disrespectful and irresponsible Reyes was. And pretty much from then on, McCree really hadn't been that jovial or warm towards Reyes. And then, you know, he became a uh, Reaper and... Straight up said, that's where it all went wrong. Yeah. I think that's all we have. Yeah, that's pretty much it. For uh, today. Yeah. Uh, so we want to thank you for tuning in, being a part of the show. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Every time you listen, my heart gets so much warmer. It's burning hot. 
Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at lore underscore party and leave us a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate it. Give us five stars. Four if you're feeling saucy. You know, there's always room for improvement. Four and a half, like... If you can give us six stars, figure that out. Let us know. Like, invent the technology. (laughs) All right. See you later, party people. See you later.